Okay, so relationships. Yeah, relationships. We are going to get real tonight, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be awkward, and it's going to be funny, and it's going to be weird. Good. Yeah. Hey, okay, first on the on the topic of weird, I just got to say this. Um, stop being weird, okay? Like with assassins, don't be weird, okay? It's a game. We're having fun, okay? Enjoy it. Yeah, right on. Okay. Uh, so last week, we started this new series, Relationships. And uh, Kim brought about this uh, idea of what we're doing for the next couple of weeks. And we are having this uh, question time back and forth tonight. Uh, so I want to... We're going to talk about it together. We're, we're going to talk about, like, as much as we possibly can. Oh, hey, Jay found the microphone. Uh, as, much as, we, as much as we can get in into the allotted time that we have, uh, we're going to talk about. And so a, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about often gets talked about, like, with guys and guys and girls with girls. And that's a good thing. That's a really positive thing. And I want to encourage that to continue. Uh, but it's also good to talk about it together because we're adults. And if we don't talk about it together in a mature adult way, it can be relegated to just men and men and women and women. And we miss out on something that God could really do in building a community of health in our relationships together. Uh, and it's good for us to learn about each other, right? It's good for us to talk mature and uh, about one another and listen and learn because we need to learn a lot. And that's the whole goal of this entire series is for us to learn. I then uh, set up my phone number up on the screen last week to give you guys the opportunity to text in questions. Well, uh, give yourselves a pat on the back, okay? Give yourselves a pat on the back, especially those who uh, texted in questions. We had like over, it was like 76 questions I had sent to me this last week. Uh, it was awesome. It was w- wonderful. And uh, I loved it. That's a lot of questions. And so we're not going to put my number up <laughs> anymore because we don't have time to even talk about all of those questions that you sent in. So we're going to do our very best to get through as many as we possibly can. Okay, we're going to be talking about things like sexuality, We're going to talk about things like biblical intimacy and hopes and fears. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about loneliness. We're going to talk about victories. We're going to talk about sin. Uh, But I want to preface a few things as we go through some of these questions, okay? Uh, One thing that I want to talk about is that we're going to respond to a bunch of these questions. But some of the questions that have been asked, you're looking for an answer, and the answer isn't found in the question that you asked. And so... I don't want you to come here thinking that you're just going to get this like black and white answer. This is the question I asked because it isn't a black and white answer. So we can't give you the answer that you're seeking. And so we're hoping to open your perspective in the concept of why God created friendships, community, relationships, marriage, family, all the above. And so we're, we're going to respond to your questions. And we may not actually answer the way that you want it. So we need you just to kind of be open to what we're doing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah? Okay, great. Also, too, uh, we're going to do our best to answer these questions and give you information, but we need to understand that information doesn't change things. Okay? Information does not change things. And this is, I got a bit of a pet peeve with these kind of like relationship style sermons. I've been a youth pastor 
was for 10 years. Okay, this is essentially a young adults pastor position for the last four years. And information can be shared and sermons can be preached and questions can be responded to and nothing can change. And Len even talked about it on Monday when he was here, right? He's spoken how many sermons as a lead pastor and he asked Cademan and he asked Logan and he asked Josh, like, how many sermons do you remember? And the answer is none, like zero, none. So information doesn't change things, okay? If we were to just share information, okay, everybody would be serving Jesus and loving Jesus because we'd share that information. But a revelation needs to take place for us, okay? Nobody would smoke cigarettes if we just, like, information, right, changed everything. Nobody would smoke. Uh, But there's lots of information about the negative habits of it, but yet people still smoke. So it's not just about information. It's more than just information. What our hope is of this conversation is that it sparks further conversation, that it births conversation, mature, healthy conversation in groups. And I hope it happens girls with girls, guys with guys. I hope both genders mix together and we talk in a mature, healthy manner in these questions. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, okay, great, good. We're, we're getting somewhere, okay? Also, too, a, a couple prefaces here. I understand there's lots of leaders on this campus. And when information is, is talked about and stuff like this is shared and we get these responses and answers, sometimes we can get excited about the conversation. And, and we want others to hear about the conversation. And, and as leaders, this is wonderful. But what I want you to take in these next couple of weeks is the fact that God is speaking to you as well. So often with, as leaders, we think, okay, when God downloads information to me, reveals something to me, okay, now I have to share this information to all those that I have influence over. And sometimes that's true. But also God is speaking specifically to you too. And there's many times during our spiritual emphasis weeks, I had people come up to me after prayer time and they said, wow, I've had this revelation that we got to pray more and we need to have more opportunities to pray and we should organize times to pray. And I feel that I want to lead this opportunity to pray. And I said, how about you engage in the times of prayer that we're already consistently doing every week first, okay? Attend, right? Be involved in your wing prayer. Be involved in this other uh, pre-service prayer. All these things first. Maybe God's speaking to you specifically. And so maybe God is going to speak to you specifically tonight and over these next couple weeks. That's just a personal one. Uh, And then uh, one more thing I want to say is this. We all come to this conversation with a different set of lenses on our face. Okay, we all have these filters. We all have these different past experiences that we bring to this conversation. Kim mentioned it last week, the difference between female and male, right? Uh, Kim mentioned last week the difference between single and married. Okay, we also, too, our past plays a massive part into this conversation. Kim comes from a Christian background with parents that are still together. I come from a non-Christian background with divorced parents. I was raised by a single mom in a non-Christian home. So we bring our past experiences to this conversation, Right, you've heard, and you, if any of you in your counseling classes, you've read textbooks after textbooks about Henry Cloud and about boundaries and about how past experiences and how they make up what you see and perceive things in your relationships today and connections with other people. And we're bringing that to this table too. So you need to understand that we all come with a different set of lenses, and we're trying to find unity in this conversation. We're not looking for uniformity. But we're looking for unity, 
okay? When we're, we're working together, we're shaping each other, we're forming each other, we're, we're grinding each other down in some ways, right? So we need to have in this conversation somewhat of an open mind, but also, too, we need to have grace and we need to have forgiveness. And we're going to take the Bible as our direction. That's our roadmap. That's the way that we're doing this the best that we can. Uh, but we all bring these filters to it and brokenness to it, and so we need grace, to move in this conversation. Does that make sense? So I hope conversation is sparked beyond this. And when there's conversations taking place in your rooms, at the cafeteria, in lounges, on couches, there too we need to understand that people have different backgrounds and experiences, and they're learning and they're growing, so I need to extend grace. And when I go to those conversations, it's not just me teaching everything. I too have to come with a listening ear looking to receive and grow and be shaped and molded myself. Yes? Yes? Okay, great. Wonderful. I'm so glad that you're coming up here because I was sitting here by myself. Observing? <laughs> observing Observing what was going head. on? I got to do a little setup here uh, yeah, b- before we go. Yeah. Um, we got a nice little, like, table and books here. And, uh, and like I said, like, we had, we had 70-something questions 76 questions or so some of them were goofy and i like goofy questions like it was funny uh but we had a lot of like really good quality questions and if we were to take five minutes on each question that was like asked we would have over like six hours of conversation content so get settled in i hope you got some snacks and a good comfy seat (laughs) get ready Those who are like high school here, we're going way past your bedtime tonight. So Just eight, saying. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, <laughs> 14. So we're going until 2. We're going until 2. Mark, we're extending curfew tonight. Yeah. Are you good with that? Just yeah, kidding. he said sure, everybody. Whoa. He said sure. All right, now it's We're real. going. Question number one. No, just kidding. <laughs> I didn't hear it, so What's it doesn't that? matter. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like we said, relationships is uh, our title for this series. And so, uh, what we're doing in this concept here, we're going to just share some of our, as campus pastors, but even more so as like campus parents, it feels like some days. (laughs) We're just, we want to share some of like, our wisdom and our advice that we would love for you to hear, much of what we have talked about, we'll talk about here, has been shaped by our conversations in our offices. Hence why we have these chairs here. These are the chairs that we typically normally sit in in our offices. So we want to build this concept of the conversation that we have with students in our offices. We want to have here with you as well. And so there's some information, a couple points. We're going to go off the word real because we're getting real in our uh, conversation here tonight. And then we're, we're going to go back and forth. Kim's going to ask some questions, and uh, I'll do my very best to, to share uh, some responses to those. You guys ready? Yeah? Wow. We're, we're ready. Okay, so <laughs> let's get real. First one here, the letter R. Uh, I have is romance. Oh, we're bro. going right in, like right away. We're going to the romance section. Okay. Now we're not just going to talk about marriage the whole entire time. Nope. Uh, we are not going to do that. But I think if we have a healthy understanding of the biblical concept of marriage, 
right? That we then today will be healthier in our friendships and in our dating relationships today, having a better understanding of what marriage would look like for us in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, great. So a proper biblical of marriage, I believe, talking about biblical intimacy, talking that we are human beings and we're created sexually and we're created to be together man and woman. (laughs) (laughs) Collapse for being sexual beings. (laughs) We're right in here. We said it. We're going for it. That's awkward for you. (laughs) 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 just kidding okay biblical intimacy is not just sexuality biblical intimacy is not just sexuality it's not just sexual relationships okay intimacy is so much more and intimacy is the concept of this union and kim talked about this last week about how adam and eve they felt no shame that's that intimacy where there's that no shame with being with one another and that Adam and Eve had together in this relationship. And it was wonderful. It was more than just sexual. It was vulnerability. It was spiritual. It was mental. It was emotional. And it's beautiful. And that is what God has created us for, is intimacy. Not just sexuality, but intimacy. And he's created us so that we could be intimate with him, is his ultimate desire. And marriage on earth... And it's like depicted right in the beginning of Genesis, as Kim talked about last week, is where a man leaves his father and mother and is united together with his wife and the two will become one. And this picture of intimacy, marriage is a gift ultimately of the gospel. Is Jesus leaving his father coming down to retrieve his bride here on this earth to take us back to be with him one day. So marriage, yes, it's a gift, And it can be satisfying and it is wonderful, but it is not the ultimate fulfillment of mankind. Salvation is the ultimate fulfillment of mankind. And so marriage needs to be looked under the lens that it's actually a picture depicting the desire and love that Christ has for his bride. And we're going to hold it in that regard. Meaning that this other person isn't going to be the thing that completes me. That's a gift of satisfaction and enjoyment that God blesses us. But it's actually only Christ that brings about that fulfillment and that satisfaction. Yes? Come on, that's where that hand clap should have went there, Bryce. (laughs) So I believe this. There's no such thing as a soulmate. There is no such thing as a soulmate. Rebecca, my wife, she's not my soulmate. God did not create her to be my wife. She did, she, God, he, father, did not create me to be Rebecca's husband. Now, we have the gift to be each other's husband and wives, but God created me to glorify him, right? I'm called his bride. Rebecca is called his bride. That is why we were created for the purpose to glorify him, not to bring completion to one another. Marriage is great. It's precious, but it's, it's not permanent. It's not in eternity. It's not in heaven. We will not be. Rebecca and I will not be married in heaven and eternity with the Lord. So to me, marriage is this biblical intimacy. It's a wonderful gift, but it's not the ultimate satisfaction of life. Salvation is, and marriage is to be a picture of that. So that's romance for me.
That's why um, in some uh, traditions, when they talk about sacraments, that's why marriage is a sacrament, because it is a reminder or a biblical picture of, of salvation. Um, that's a tidbit, not in our notes. Okay. Uh, so on the on the what we've done is we've sort of taken some of your questions and we've slotted them in into some of the sections, the real sections that we're going to be talking about. So uh, first off, the first question, just to get right right down to business, um, this one came in and it's very important. Did God uh, make cooties or did it come from the fall? You know that is a deep theological question. <laughs> Deep theological question. Cooties. 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 Straight from what? Straight from God. Uh, God, God created everything. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, and why are cooties bad? That's never been asked. That's never. We just like relegated to it being bad right away. Mm-hmm. Anyways. There you go. That's some, <laughs> that's some cafeteria talk for you. Okay, so just to, just to, to okay, so you're talking about marriage, but... For us to get married, uh, we got to go through some dating processes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, how do we know that we're dating the right one or mm. or marrying the right one? Right. Yeah. Or the one. The one. Right. Yeah. So, so some authors they talk about this concept of the apocalyptic romance. That's why I have romance up there. That concept of the one or the soulmate. Now, again, I don't think there is the one. Now, I think there is the wrong one, right? There, there's times where there are people who are not right for you, okay? <laughs> where they're, they're not ready, or, or more importantly, it's probably you're the wrong one at the time, or you shouldn't be getting anywhere or going anywhere with anybody. So I think there's the wrong one, but I don't specifically think there is the right one. I think there are many people in whom that you can connect with and find a, a potential future with. Now, uh, that doesn't give you, like, freedom to say, okay, I'm going to date this person and this person and check out this person. No, there needs to be maturity in it. Uh, but I think if we lose the concept that there is only one, we also lose the fear and anxiety of dating, that it can actually be something that is enjoyable, that we're learning about each other and finding out new things uh, and enjoy the adventure of what dating really can be. So, yeah, no, 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 the one. Yeah, that takes away from any sense of like idolatry, too, because yeah. we make we make marriage and a person an idol. If we, if we think that they're the one, it can we can really turn into, um, yeah, idolizing them. Um, OK, so if there isn't um, the one and we're supposed to figure out who we best connect with and we find somebody, how do we know if whether we are rushing a relationship or if it's naturally progressing? So, like, what does timing look like and how do we get to know somebody? Um, and figuring out the, the pace of, like, getting to know a friend and then that moving, going into dating, which then goes into a relationship, mm-hmm. which then goes into engagement, which then gets into marriage. So how do you know the right pace and how do you know that you're not rushing that that train yeah so uh, scripture there isn't much in regards to dating relationships there's a a couple different relationships that we see in scripture much to do first and foremost with family uh, married couples and neighbors really are the three main in the concept of community and neighbors and relationships so there isn't much regarding dating at all and so questions about dating is more regarding discernment and wisdom than anything. 
uh, I believe that God gives great wisdom and great discernment. And so the, the question about timing, how do you know if we're going too fast? How do you know if it is the right time or if it is the wrong time? I don't actually think it's about timing, but I actually think it's more to do with trusting. So it's it's trusting. Write that down. Yeah, write that down. It's it's not about timing, but it's about trusting. So it's trusting yourself and trusting the other person in which that you're learning and, and finding new things about. And it's yeah, it, it's about maturity. Right? It's about wisdom. It's about intent. And I think if you're healthy and you're mature and you're intent and if you trust one another, I think it's wonderful. Um, uh, The one thing I say here at Summit, though, is always slow down because it seems like just because of the sheer quality or quantity amount of time that we spend together, that things just like snowball effect and seem like they're just like flying forward in a relationship. So uh, I don't like slowing down, I think, is. Honestly, like the safer and healthier and wiser way to do it. Uh, but it's not about timing. It's about trusting. Yeah. Um, I think, too, even that, like, like content, I like, because I think sometimes we get, like, deep and fast. Like, even just in friendships, we get deep and fast. Like, what are your hopes and dreams? And where do you want to be in 30 years? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Like, holy moly. I'm just trying to figure out what my Starbucks drink is. Yeah, that's too fast. Right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's too fast. That's real fast. That's too yeah. fast. So, like, even <laughs> <laughs> slowing down the train, even with, like, like friendships. Like, I'm not trying to say, don't be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, figure out their favorite color first, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, if your first conversation is just, like, you know, your background, did you have any pets? And then all of a sudden, like, you go back to your room and you go to your roommate and you're like, I think I'm in love and I want to marry this person. That's probably too fast. Yeah. Okay? Probably too fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in the event that you've gone slowly and you've found somebody that you wanted to date and things are going well and you're now in a relationship or you're in that dating, well, whichever, how do you deal with or how do you handle and filter people's opinions Mm. of your relationship, which the opinions of the unsolicited advice, how do you deal with that? Wow. That hit a chord. That hit a chord in this room. Yeah, that really did. So, Do you guys get unwanted dating advice all the time? What? <laughs> really? Unwanted dating advice. Huh. Okay, so here's my here's my <laughs> opinion on that that question, okay? So I think in all honesty, like like people for the most part, okay, for the most part are just genuinely interested in your life. They're just genuinely interested, and they want to know how things are going, and they want to share with you the adventure that you're having with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend. They're just interested in wanting to know, and and oftentimes when you get into conversations, it can sound like they're telling you what to do, and I don't think that's always the intent. I don't think it's always the intent that they're trying to give this unsolicited dating advice, especially if they're single, okay? (laughs) They're they're probably just confused, okay? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. So now that's not what always do you mean the case. <laughs> Back the truck up. <laughs> not all single people are confused. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. But what they articulate yeah. may just come across as like they're trying to give you advice when really yeah. it's not 
always the case. So first, I do think people who are in relationships just need to settle a bit. It's okay. Because I think people just genuinely are trying to help. They're trying to aid. They're trying to be a good friend. We just don't always do the best job at being good friends. Does that make sense? Like, so that's the first one, I think. I think as a, as a dating couple, person in a relationship, we, we just need to say, okay, they're, they're trying their best. Here's some grace and forgiveness towards them. A- and then secondly, you just need to talk to them. Tell them, thanks, but no thanks. Like, I appreciate that you're, you want to, but it doesn't actually help me in this situation. And I would rather not talk about it. Or I'd rather talk about other things instead. But this specifically, just not at a place in which that I want to hear their information. We just need to be honest mm-hmm. with one another at times. Mm-hmm. We need to get real need to get with real. each other at times. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. there would be people, you would say, that there would be people that you are wanting their advice. Yeah. Right. And so there are there. And I think that we should have people in our lives that we give space to speak into our lives because, you know, like when you're dating, you got like you're like you're just goo goo and gaga. Right. Like (laughs) your head ain't right. Um, You know, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, you you know, know it's it's true. true. Right, and so like you need some all those good people who are like newly dating. The hand is on the other person's knee constantly. Yeah. It seems like it's like they bodies are like a, drawn yeah, to like they touch. can't sit on a couch with all their legs to, like, being touch. on the other person's legs yeah. like always. Right, it's we like all know it happens. Once you go into a relationship, you're in, you're like now magnetized. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's true. All those new, new couples are like this right now. They're like, oh, wait, no, wait, wait, uh, wait. No. Darn <laughs> it. The canvas pastors <laughs> noticed <laughs> this stuff. Yeah, we what? Do. Yeah. Hey. But that being said, there are people that we should have in our lives. You just got pointed <laughs> out. Because <laughs> they were looking and laughing at <laughs> yeah, me, and they're yeah. like, he knows, awesome. he knows. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then even just on that, so then on the flip side, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those friends, who, like, what do you do when your friend is dating and you want to give some advice or you're interested? Yeah. What do you do with that? Uh, so so it's a couple of things. Like, first, what is the concern, right? Like, maybe, it, maybe it's just a thought or a feeling or whatever, and, and you're just, just say, like, hey, I, I just want to be involved in your life. Like, I want to I chat and be close because often what can happen is there's they're good friends, but then one starts dating another person, and that friendship, that original friendship, starts to dissipate a bit just because they're not spending as much time together with, with each other. And so ultimately, they're just trying to keep that friendship going, and it can seem difficult. Now, there are legitimate times where a friend of yours may be going too far. And I don't just mean physically, but I may mean too much time spent together, going too deep in conversation, getting to the point of like some legitimate red flags where it would be a good friend to say, I I do need to talk to this person about it. And I think a great way to do it is to uh, not just like throw it at the person, but to say, hey, is there a time that we could later chat? And like specifically about relationship stuff. So you're not just like blindsiding the person. You're preparing them and you're giving them room to prepare themselves to be ready to have an honest conversation. 
And we live in a culture, and I was having this conversation with Spencer earlier today, that we say that we love to be called out on things, right? I want a person in my life that will call me out if I'm not doing things proper, right? This, this mentoring relationship, this friendship, I want to be called out. But then when it actually happens, we're downright offended by it. We're like, what do you mean? Who, who, how dare you say that to me, right? But we've given them this permission to do so, and then we're just all of a sudden super angry about it. So we too need to say, like, we have good friends who care about us and who want the best for us. And so maybe I need to listen to what they have to say. Cool. Um, we'll touch base on some of that again later on. But uh, sort of switching gears a little bit, why is there so much pressure? to date and get married in Christian community? Good question. Whoever was that Thank asked that one. Thank you, whoever asked that good, question. Great good question. question. You're right. There is, there is pressure. And I think it's an unhealthy pressure. Now, some of that pressure can be self-perceived, right? That we just think that that's everybody's goal and that's just what we have to do. But I think it lands for the reality is the majority of people, 90 plus percent of people are going to find a spouse at some point in their life. And so the majority of people in this room are going to find a spouse at some point in their lives. And and that's a wonderful thing, uh, but pressure is put on it. And I think it stems back to the unhealthy picture and concept of what marriage really is, right? We think it's going to be that person, the yin to my yang, the soulmate that completes me. It's that like that Meg Ryan movie and Tom Hanks Right? This is an old They're one all here. three. They have they were in three movies together. Which one? I didn't even You've know. You've got that. mail? <laughs> yeah, probably Joe that versus one. the volcano. That you complete me one. Uh, S- the you complete me Seattle? one. Seattle? Sleeps in Seattle? You complete me. That's Jerry Maguire. <laughs> That's not yeah. even Tom Hanks and That's uh, not even, Ryan. But anyways. That's uh Tom Cruise right there. <laughs> yeah, and Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, good job. Yeah. Yeah. You want so useless this, movie this, information? Oh, I'm your gal. Okay, Jason, you're not in the conversation here, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think it stems, this pressure stems from I have to find the one. Because if somebody else finds the one before I do, then I'm not going to have that one. So I got to hurry up and find the one. Like we have all these like internal, incorrect subliminal messages that are like, we believe and culture believes, and because we were raised in this culture, we then internalize and believe, and we got to find the one. And we think specifically in the Christian community that, like, marriage is the ultimate pinnacle of success, right? You found the one. You get to have sex now, right? And we think, like, <laughs> yeah, we think that that's the ultimate satisfaction in life, and it just isn't it just isn't yeah and then we have christians who watch the bachelor and get right down confused because they're trying to learn scripture and then they're listening and watching the bachelor so there's a lot of confusion can i add my two cents yeah, now? Oh, add, add a couple dollars okay. Okay. if you want thank you thank you <laughs> okay so let's just address the bachelor for a second and other other type shows that's absolute garbage garbage where's where's that clapper where's that clapper it really is it really is and so let's not even like it's just it's just not good and that's not how we should see 
how, and it's not even garbage in, in how we address dating relationships. It's garbage in how we address how we address with people, how we have yeah. relationships with yeah. people. And people in general. They're, um, like, it's just not good. And so I don't, like, for me, that's something that I, I cannot, I just can't watch anymore. I can't put that in my life. And so I would suggest to you, don't put that in your life either. Yeah. It's not, it's just not good. So that's my, that's my, like, real short version of my soapbox of The Bachelor and said things. Yeah. If I can add to um, that, if I can add a few more dollars and cents, um, just that idea of um, why there's pressure. Yeah, I think there's that whole, like, sexual healing thing that comes um, for Christians where we, like, we relegate marriage equals sex, and we don't know what to do with ourselves as sexual beings when we're single. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, that's, like, if we can figure that out, then we can manage being single and sexual beings at the same time. And the, and the, and statistics tell us that, like, the, the, yes, we'll get, majority of people will get married, but we're getting married later. So we got to figure right. the singleness thing out. Um, or we're just going to turn to marriage as our sexual solution so that we can have sex and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that I think sometimes within the Christian community that can happen where we relegate it as um, some sort of like sexual healing. And that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. Right? We are yeah. aware of that. That's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then th another thing, just, and this is, again, this is a perspective. This is a filter, right? So oftentimes people who talk about relationships are married people. When we talk in church, often it comes from a married person who talks about relationships, and then it gets turned, and then we talk about marriage. Um, and I think something that the church needs to consider is how we talk about relationships that extend beyond a marriage relationship um, and, uh, and beyond a family because uh, for, and, and the, we use family in church context, which is really, really good because we are a family. Um, but sometimes people people who are single don't necessarily have a family. And so that can feel a little bit weird for people sometimes. And so even just to have, like, greater perspective is really, really helpful. So if in as you're thinking through, um, for those of you who are going through pastoral ministry, to be thinking through how to have different perspectives from about relationships when we're talking about it so that we can curb this whole concept of relationships um, being so, like, feeling so pressured. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and again, so, and we'll finish off on this and move on to our mm -hmm. E, but pressure comes out of the desire. Like we do, we have that desire for intimacy and so we crave it and we want it. And right. We do have restrictions held until that moment. And so I agree. I think as we have a better understanding of marriage, of biblical intimacy, of what God truly does give us in the gift of marriage, um, it won't just be this physical craving that we're trying to satisfy. And that pressure can be released because we know in God's timing, it will be wonderful. It will be good. Uh, and again, you're right, statistically, people are getting married later and later. So we need to work out how we can deal with this longer as young adults um, so that we're not falling morally before we get to the potential possibility of a spouse. Okay? So we're going to move on to the letter E. Okay, and I have for this one is called expectations. Expectations. Talk about this a lot in my office with uh, a lot of people, and not just regarding dating relationships, but about friendships. This is included in every kind of relationship families, okay, friendships, roommates, dating relationships, marriages, everything. We need to have healthy 
expectations when it comes to all relationships. We're to have real expectations, because if we don't have real expectations, it's chaotic. Like, say, for example, you're in your car, and you're at a red light, and the light goes green, okay? I have the expectation when I'm driving that the other direction, right, the, the, pair or the cross direction, that light turned red. That's my expectations, and my expectations is all those people in the vehicles are going to stop so that I can drive forward and not get hit or hit somebody. If there are no expectations that we have, it's chaos, right? Okay, so expectations are good, but we need to have healthy expectations. And when expectations are met, it brings joy. It brings fulfillment in friendships. It brings uh, belonging and affirmation in our friendships and in our connections, And unmet expectations lead to, like, connection breakdown and disappointment. Okay, unmet expectations often, often, not always, but often result in two things. One, your expectation is too high, meaning the person cannot ever have the chance to meet that expectation. Or, more commonly, and usually the case, those expectations are not ever communicated. They're just assumed that because I have that expectation, that means that this person also has the same expectations. Like, for example, like, let's say, hypothetically, you're playing this game, and you join a team, and there's this understanding on this team that you're to guard each other and to keep each other safe on this team. And then a coworker of yours says, well, hey, how about we walk to our cars together to keep us safe in this game? We get to our cars. My killer is standing. I mean, like a killer for this, like, random person is standing at a car. And my expectation is this person who I've just built this team with, there's safety in numbers. We're going to protect each other, gets in their said car and drives away and leaves me alone with my killer. And I get annihilated from the Assassin's game three hours into it. Okay? <laughs> Betty. But here's my point. And I've been intentionally doing this all week for this moment right here. We had unmet expectations because I never communicated that said expectation to Kim in that moment. <laughs> Kim was the other person who stabbed me in the back and let my killer kill me. Okay, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> she didn't. It was actually all just a total fluke. Yeah, right. And, uh, but what it was is we had said, yeah, okay, we'll be a team. We'll help each other out. But it wasn't communicated that it's like, hey, if there's a person around, we're going to make sure that they leave before we're by ourselves stuck with this person. It was an uncommunicated expectation, and it wasn't met. And major disappointment came into my life after I was destroyed and killed by Brant. So does that make sense? We have these unmet expectations because we don't properly communicate them. And then when communica- or expectations aren't met, we need to offer grace and forgiveness. What, like, that's what relationship is. It's love. It's patience. I was talking last night uh, at a citywide service about unity. Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, and he says that we're to be humble with one another, gentle, patient, forbearing, long-suffering of people's shortcomings. We need to offer grace and forgiveness in our expectations. Okay, so through the filter of expectations, um, can you answer? I'm going to ask this question and then break it down. Um, Okay. Why do my friends disappear when they get a girlfriend? 
How do I respond when they come back after they realize that me and the boys are their first love? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So there's there's a few (laughs) questions. Can you hear the tone in that question? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's a few few questions in here. So I'm just going to ask them kind of all. Sure. And then, um, and then, and then we'll then do our best. Better. Yeah. Okay. So there's about four questions in this one question that has to do with like expectations and all of this stuff. So one, why do my friends disappear? Um, and then two, when you're in a relationship, how do you balance friendship and the expectations of friendship and now that person that you're in a relationship with? Three. How do you encourage when you're the friend? How do you encourage that friend in the relationship? And then four, uh, how do you support that person once it's broken up? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay. So we said we're getting real here. Yeah. So let's just start with the first one. Why do my friends disappear in the realm of expectations? Because they're in love, right? Like it's it's because they're so gaga over this other person that they leave it's like new emotions and feelings that they've never felt and they're like wow that feels amazing i want to go hang out with this person more than you guys because you guys don't give me this feeling and so i'm out of here right i'm not saying that's right but i'm saying that's what happens okay that's what happens Boys get interested in girls. It happens to us all. Yes, it happens to us all. Like, boys get interested in girls. Girls get interested in boys. That's how it happens. And when it's the other person who gets interested in someone, we feel rejected. But you know, if you were the one who found someone, you would do the same thing to your friends. We all know that we would do that. Okay? Now, with that being said, (laughs) I... I don't encourage that. Like, I, oh, man. I, I think this is one of the most talked about conversations that I have in my office, both with people who are dating and with people who are single, about friendships and about losing friendships because of another person. And it is one of the saddest conversations I think I have in my office. Because you can have both. You can have a good dating relationship, and you can have really good friends that are there with you and i think ultimately what happens is is we're just so drawn by our feelings and our emotions that we lose our ability to be intentional and smart sometimes and we just need to catch ourselves and say okay yeah right i want to be balanced in all of my friendships in all of my relationships uh and so i'm going to i'm going to be intentional i'm going to work at that and then when yeah, I'm going to use this in the context of guys because I'm one and I chat with them more than anybody else. When a buddy says, hey, dude, you're always hanging out with her, it may come across as like harsh and sharp and you're like totally offended because you're like, how could he say that about me? You know, she doesn't know how wonderful she is and all this kind of stuff. It's a friend who's hurting, who wants to spend time with you. Uh, and again, it may come across in a way that is not the best always, but we need to have some grace for each other. And it's just a friend saying, I miss you, and I care about you. Because too often it happens here where a friend has to grieve the loss of their friend because they're dating somebody else. Like, it's a true thing. 
It really is. They're grieving a friend that they would, they would see often, and now they're just not there. And that's hard. I suppose that's a way to combat that the oneness, hey? Yeah. Like, that's sort of like the oneness in its, in its infancy stage. Yes, it is. Totally. And, and when it gets to a relationship where you're spending just an enormous amount of time together, I get concerned because it gets to be a codependent relationship really, really quickly. Where then I can only exist and be good and happy when I am near and with this person. And that is a really unhealthy place to get to. And then often what happens in those relationships, they end and it is messy and it is not good. And then your friends are there doing their very best to try to put things back together. Yeah. So before it breaks up, yeah. how do you encourage your friends when they're in their relationship? Yeah. That sounds really ominous. Before it breaks up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 before Thanks. it breaks up. Hello. So hopefully it doesn't break up, right? So... Uh, being a good friend, uh, lots of what we've already talked about. It's being patient. It, it's, it's setting the person up for success, not trying to cut them down, right? So if you need to have an honest conversation with them, prepare them. Let them know. I would love to chat tonight. Can we chat at like 9 tonight for, you know, 45 minutes? And I'd love to just talk about our relationship, our friendship, how you're doing, how I'm doing. And can we just like be vulnerable in those times? Uh, I, I think it's such a great way to just set up a strong, healthy, mature conversation about friendship and dating. Uh, we have to approach that conversation with humility, both if you're the one giving the information or the one who's receiving that information. We've we got to approach it with a mature, humble mindset. And if we do so, God can work wonders in those kinds of relationships. That, too, also is intimacy. It's vulnerability. It's being open with one another. Uh, and that is such a strength in a good friendship. A good friendship isn't a perfect friendship. It's being able to work through the mess together and, and know that I'm going to fail and that they're going to fail and I'm going to try to do my best to give advice and they're going to do their best to give advice. And a good friendship is one that can forgive and love and trust and fail and succeed and give and love and trust over and over and over and over. Does that help at all? Yeah, so we should expect in friendships that it's going to be messy. Yes. And that there's going to be an uncomfortable, like that there will be times of uncomfortability where we actually have to, we can't expect the other person to know what we're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and too many friendships, that's very good. Too many friendships, I think, end because we're afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations. That if we were just to get a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit awkward with each other in a nice way, our friendship would be way better. Rather, we're too afraid to have those conversations, and then often those, that friendship dissipates. And it's a really sad thing. Yeah. And if they do break up, give them a hug. Like, just love them. Care for them. Be a listening ear. Buy them chocolate. Like, even guys. Like, buy them chocolate. I love chocolate. Like, it's not just a girl thing, okay? <laughs> love them. Accept them. If they're embarrassed that they feel like they left the group and then all of a sudden they broke up, accept them back into your group. Don't say, you left, you're out of here. Don't be that person. Don't be that group. Love and accept and just bring them right back in. 
That's a good friend. Yeah. And I would say, too, that a good friend doesn't villainize the person yeah, who that they just good. got broken up with. Yes. Right? Like, we can start to take sides and villainize the other person that now that they're broken up. And that's not cool. So, um, because there's two people in a relationship. And so, um, we need to have grace for that person as well. Um, whether they're the break-up E or the break-up er or whatever. Um, as to not villainize that person. And I think sometimes we do that to, as some sort of support to be to support our friend and say, we've got your back and they're a jerk. Well, that sucks that it ended. That works too, right? That works too. Okay. For the sake of time, yeah. I think we should go on to our next one. Good, do it. Okay, so I just want to finish off with the concept of expectation. Like, it's good to have expectation in dating relationships. It's also very good to have expectations in your friendships, Mm -hmm. in your roommate situations, in your bathroommate situations, Mm -hmm. okay? And I'll let you in on this. and You've already experienced this. It also transfers into marriage relationships majorly, like heightened way, way more. So uh, Rebecca and I, uh, we have... We, we let each other down all the time. Like, it's just, is it is what it is. I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. But I'm so thankful that she forgives me. And I love her so much that I'll forgive her always. And so, but I have unmet expectations. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I get, when I, like, wake up in the morning and I go down to the kitchen, my dream is that the kitchen sink is, like, always clean. Like, that's just, like, me. This is who I am. So, like, I'll do dishes every single day. And I will, like, throw dishes into the dishwasher. I'll clean it up. I'm the one who usually cleans our kitchen more in our household just because it bugs me more. Uh, and it's just, it is what it is. And I'm totally cool with it. But then if, like, dishes that would so easily be able to get put into the dishwasher or not, I'm like, ah, always. But it's the littlest thing, so really it's not the end of the world. But what really grinds my gears is is we have a garbage can that's, like, right underneath our sink. And when there's, like, garbage placed, like, on in the sink or, like, on the counter right beside the sink, I've thought about taking the cupboard door off underneath the sink so it's easier access to the garbage because I think maybe it's just too difficult for her to open up the door and put the garbage into the garbage can, right? <laughs> but here's the thing, too. I, I haven't communicated that that is such a big thing to me. And because I haven't communicated that, I'm actually the one who's in the wrong in this, not Rebecca. Even though she should, you should always put your garbage in the garbage. Okay? <laughs> okay? Um, but expectations are so important. I just had one roommate tell me, or one student tell me about the roommate, that they use their chair every day in a significant manner to transport themselves up to their bed. And it bugs them. And it bugs them. But and I'm like, have you told your roommate that? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, that's your fault then because you haven't, you haven't told them, okay? So communicate, communicate, communicate. Everybody's like, I know what it is, yeah. People use my shampoo in the, in the uh, shower all the time. <laughs> There's going to be uh, a lot of bathroom buddy conversations tonight. A lot of bathroom expectations. There's going to be expectation lists on your mirrors now, yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. Accountability. That's my next one. Accountability and boundaries. Okay? This is me as a a pastor and as a dad. I'm saying to you, have accountability and have boundaries in all of your relationships. Okay? Also, the relationship with yourself. You need to have accountability and boundaries in all of your relationships. 
Okay, I just want to say this. Um, accountability, I believe, is proactive, not reactive. Okay? We need to be proactive in our accountability. We need to be intentional in our accountability. Uh, too often, and this is stereotyping guys, but often stereotypes, they, they come from somewhere, right? So the reality is, in many cases, guys, if they fail in a specific manner sexually, often what they do is they'll confess to their friends. And the friends will say, oh, man, you're forgiven. We'll pray over you. God loves you. And then we wait until the next time that they fail and then they confess. And we think this is our accountability group, that we're just sharing all of our shortcomings. And that's just reactive. That's not being proactive. True accountability is where we're taking measures and steps to not allow that or to not have that happen again. It's being proactive in our attempt. So, again, we'll say specifically with the concept of pornography, masturbation, okay, stuff like that. We need to be proactive in our approach, not reactive. So if cell phones, the biggest trigger for so many people regarding pornography, if this is what it is that gets you, get rid of it. My goodness, okay? Or if you're smart enough and you know the times in which that you may be weakest in, Give your phone to your friend in those times. Talk to your friends and say, I need help in these moments, okay? I'm going to get really real here. If it's the morning where you seem to be the weakest at, don't sleep in. If your roommate gets up and has class, you get up and go somewhere as well, okay? If it's late at night, prop your door open. Make sure that you're in a place where you're not then by yourself in a moment of weakness. Don't bring your phone into the bathroom, Okay? I'm so proud of some guys over the years. They've put like a no cell phone sign on their bathroom doors, and I love that. That's proactive. Okay? I know guys who have said that when their buddy is in the shower too long, they'll like tap on the thing and turn the water cold to say, hey, I'm caring for you. I'm being a good friend. Okay? It's proactive in it. Okay? It's, it's taking the person's phone and saying, okay, at noon, you can have the phone for an hour, but then I'm going to take it back. We're being proactive. That's a caring, good, honest friend. We've got to set up boundaries, healthy boundaries that are going to allow us to succeed. And that's in friendships too, right? We've got to have healthy boundaries. Uh, that's with ourselves, what we say to ourselves, how we treat ourselves. We've got to have healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So just to like, like comment on that, even for ladies, like let's, because that's not a guy issue. True. Right? Yep. Porn masturbation's not a guy issue. That's a guy girl issue. So it's across the board. So then it's not As our prime minister would say, it's a people kind it's issue. A pe- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that might have been quite rude. <laughs> so so then that means that just as just as as guys as you were hearing, um, be accountable and be proactive in it. Ladies, be proactive in your accountability. So um, be honest with your roommates. Be honest with your friends about when you're feeling most weak. Be honest about what are those trigger points for you. And then, and then get to a place. One of the, I was talking with Jess when she was here. We were having dinner, and we were talking about accountability. And she was talking about how um, her, the people in her lives that keep her accountable they don't even have the accountability conversation anymore because they know each other so well and they know each other's rhythms so well that they don't, they don't even 
need to ask because they can tell even by the inflection of their voice or the way that they maybe choose to behave at a certain time that they know, ah, something's not right. What's going on with that? And there's accountability in closeness. That's why good, good close friends are really good for that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, ladies, be proactive in that component, too, and recognize and, and be mindful. Like, if you're, if, and guys, if you're, mind, if you're struggling in an area, accountability is, is proactive. And so, um, like, consider, like, where's, where are the weak points? Uh, what drives you there? And then, and then put steps in place to actually then um, to safeguard yourself. In, in, script, in spiritual terms, one would call that the spiritual discipline of, or of self-control. That's what that is. That's the spiritual term of that. Um, yes. A couple questions. Yeah, I got a couple questions. We'll finish up. Okay, so we've covered a few by virtue of hopping and, like, jumping on them in previous ones. Yeah. Um, so I would even ask, um, like, where is the line when figuring out accountability – where is the line between letting a friend figure it out and stepping in to help? Like that, like accountability and like them needing to, to learn. How's the, where's the, what's that relationship? Yeah, again, that, that hard line, there isn't a hard line on that one. That, that's, again, I think happens in closeness and in proximity of your friendship, of, of being able to understand who your friend is, uh, the inflection of their voice, like you had said with Jess, like, being being vulnerable with each other and being honest with each other gets us to a place where, okay, I've learned what is going to be difficult for them. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be regarding, like, sexuality, right? Like, it could even be regarding emotions and moods, trigger points for feelings of anger or feelings of loneliness. Or, like, how you use your money. How you use your money, absolutely. Not doing your homework, okay? Maybe a person is sleeping in longer than usual. Like, certain things like that. I think as we begin to notice them, once you begin to notice them, I think it's worth having a conversation. Like, I don't think, I don't understand why we would allow and have that to prolong. So I think a good friend would say, are you, are you okay? Can we chat? Can, can I just listen to what you have to say? And, and I think the best thing to do in that moment would not just to be give a ton of advice. It would just to be to listen and to give them a place where they feel safe in sharing what's going on in their lives. Because ultimately, I think it, that's what it is. It, they just need a safe haven. They just need a safe place. And, and a good friend w- would notice, okay, something's off, and I'm going to provide them a safe place that they can talk. Once they have shared, okay, maybe then, hey, is there any way that I can help you? Could I talk to someone? Could we bring somebody in on this conversation? Could we talk about this again tomorrow and continue that conversation? I, I think we can be pretty decent at giving a safe place, but we need to make sure we do a next step. After that, they've shared. We can't just drop it and think that now that they've said stuff, they're going to be good. We need to do a follow-up to those kind of conversations. And, uh, yeah, if, you're, if your friend is bad at spending money, uh, again, I think there's a loving way that we can say, hey, I'm not meaning to be a parent and slap your wrist, but I care about you and your future and the amount of money that's being spent. I- I'm concerned for you. So you're not telling them 
that what they're necessarily doing is wrong immediately. You're just expressing your concern for them of what could happen. Because, again, when we get called out, we get offended, right? And so you don't want somebody to all of a sudden be in this defensive mode. You want them to be in a place where they know that they're safe, and then they can talk and be honest about it. Does that help? And I guess if you're if you've had the conversation about accountability and and you're saying to that person, "Can you keep me accountable?" You give them you give them free reign. Yes, yeah. Like you actually yep, give them totally. space to speak into your life. And so then then that means that you have to ask yourself, "Am I ready for that person to actually <laughs> mm-hmm. speak into my yeah, life?" Yeah. Uh, and if real. you're not, then like that's a you issue. Yep. That's not a them issue because yep, you've right. invited it. So then we have to receive that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There's one other question that we sort of hoped to address this evening. Let's just, okay. So what it is, this is the question. This is how it was asked. And this has something to do with accountability in the realm of like sexuality. Okay. So statistically speaking, waiting for sex, not just intercourse until marriage is impossible, as in the success rate is real low amongst evangelical young adults. Is it possible, and how does it impact married life? So is waiting for sex or the accountability of waiting for sex or uh, waiting to have sex before marriage, is that even possible? Yes, absolutely, I believe it's possible. Now, we live in a society that is so overly sexualized that it is incredibly difficult that it seems impossible. Now, it totally is possible to get to a point in your life where you may find a spouse and you're both virgins and you get to marry and it is the picturesque concept biblically of what God desires for every man and every woman. Like, it's totally possible to get there. Now, we live in an overly sexualized culture, right? And we desire intimacy, and we think that physical contact and sex is what equates to intimacy, and that's not true. And so, man, we have a, oh, we have a fight to fight in this life. We have a fight that is so large that it seems impossible. Every, everywhere you go, sex is normal, having sex is not something that is necessarily special or reserved. And so we're, we're fighting against the norm, which is what we're actually called to be. We're called to be aliens. We're called to be set apart. We're called not to be the norm. And, and I think too often in the church, we want to fit in. We want to be Christian and we want to be godly, but we want to mold in with the style and the ebb and flow of our culture in many areas, specifically to with sexuality. And so we so desire to fit in, but we are so called to be set apart. And so I think it is possible. Now it is hard. It is very, very hard. And so we need good accountability and good boundaries and good expectations for our friendships and one another. Now, with that said, I also don't want to throw any shame to those who have, who have the shortcoming of having sex before marriage. Uh, I don't want to throw shame towards them by any means. And it, unfortunately, in our reality, it's not just within the 
not just our culture, but within the church too, our, our percentages are not strong. They're not healthy for those who have had sex before marriage is becoming higher than those who haven't had sex. So it's seemingly becoming normalized. Does that make sense? Statistically, it's seemingly become normalized. And so we have a, oh man, do we have a job in front of us. And I think a way that we can really fight against this statistical trend that we're seeing is by having a healthier understanding of what biblical intimacy truly is. And if we have this understanding of God's good and glorious gift of it, a true perspective of it, not not filtered by media, not filtered by culture and what society says and TV shows and all these things, but specifically in how God created it, how he has made us, we will long for that. We will desire it. It won't just be something that we're trying our very best not to fall into because I'm just trying not to do wrong. It will be a, we long and desire and crave for what God really truly has for us. And so I do believe it is, it is possible. And I also do believe that it impacts married life. It absolutely does. God can bring about absolute forgiveness and redemption to every single human being. And he does for those who confess. But there's residue. And that residue goes into relationships. And there's baggage that follows along with it. And that baggage gets brought into relationships. Like the person's past gets brought into a married life. The person's family gets brought into a married life. Like you don't just marry the person. You marry their family, Right? So you better like your future in-laws, okay? Just saying. (laughs) And so there's so much to it that, yes, it impacts. Now, God can redeem whatever impact that is. And he can make it holy, and he can make it righteous, and he can use it to help further, you know, a conversation in ministry, help give hope to other people, all that kind of stuff. But, yes, it does impact. Marriages, yeah. It's like it is possible to actually drive 30 through Old Claiborne Village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We choose to drive 60. Um, it is possible. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> it is possible. Um, and, I, you know, like that goes back to that um, uh, personal accountability. When I was reading this book called God in My Everything, it's a great book, and I pick it up every once in a while. And so I was reading it last night and going over. There's a whole great book section on, on sexuality. And, um, and he was talking about how, like, how we need to celebrate. And, like, I've, I've said here, well, I am a sexual being, and I've had you say it. And, uh, you know, and we sort of joke about that. But he was talking about how we need to celebrate that we are sexual beings, but that really when it, like being a sexual being that has um that isn't just about like sex drive that isn't just about like like it's not about that um but it is about it is about that intimacy piece and he, he goes back into the root word of like um like eros which comes from which is the where we get the word erotic but like it then but but the context of that has everything to do with intimacy and closeness and so um here's a great tip if you're single 
and you're struggling with this or like, or if you're in a dating relationship and you're struggling is you build really great relationships with friends and family because that builds our intimacy, right? So we have like, like we have an intimacy tank that we need to fill up. Uh, so if we're not filling it up in other places, then there's the tendency that we'll go towards sex. So then fill up your intimacy tanks in other places that are really, really healthy. And that's part of you being a sexual being too, right? It's that intimacy and building relationships. And so that's where it's really important to have good, meaningful touch, right? Not weird touch, just good, meaningful touch, like a good hug, right? Hugs are great. Um, And so building that up and having and building up our intimacy in other in other areas as well. Okay, so I want to finish up with this, because this has already been almost an hour and a half conversation. No, just an hour. No, it was like Eight. maybe an hour 15. No. Let's meet in the middle. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's finish up with this. Yep. Okay, like boundaries are very good, but boundaries too can catch us where we think that the goal then is just to not fall short. And that's a dangerous place to fall into, right? That's like the law. The law is good, but it had its shortcomings, that it wasn't able to keep a person sanctified and clean. It actually exposed our weakness and our brokenness and in need of a savior. And so just like accountability and boundary specific, it's not just about not doing what is quote unquote wrong. It's not about that. That God truly does bring about transformation. He truly does, through his spirit, bring about revelation and the longing and the desire for what he offers. To be close and intimate with him. To have great connection with family and with friends. And meaningful touch and meaningful conversations that can fill our intimacy tank. God gives us those things and satisfies those things in us. So it's not just about trying to not do wrong. But we can desire what is so good and what is so holy. And so what is so righteous that he gives us. Okay? Uh, and then the last thing I want to say is uh, the word little. It's the little things. It's the little things that matter. Like, I'm a big believer that it's the little things that make the biggest difference in our friendships. It's the opening the door for the person. It's waiting for them as you walk to the back building together, right? Rather than just like leaving and leaving them there in the lobby by themselves, right? It, it's a, when they text you, it's just a quick text message back acknowledging that you got it. Like it's the little things that matter that make such a huge difference in people's lives. And to me, like, like friendship, like we're like cheese graters and sandpaper, We're here really to refine and to grind each other down, okay, get rid of all the junk and all that kind of stuff. And that happens in day-to-day connection and day-to-day contact. And so often we think, oh, man, every time we meet together, it's got to be so big and so important, so vast and so awesome. But it can also just be simple and wonderful in time together and precious, okay? So to know that the little things make a big difference in everybody's lives. 
And if we think about those little things, people feel valued, people feel affirmed, people feel wanted and desired. These are things that we all crave to some capacity, right? We feel respected, we feel assured, all those things we need in the little day-to-day connections of our friendships. And so as we end tonight, okay, as we close off this conversation, we're going to reopen this conversation again next week. Uh, But between here and next week, I want to encourage you, we want to encourage you to continue this conversation. We want this to be something that sparks conversation in your rooms, at the tables, in the cafeteria, sitting on couches, like beside each other, not over top of each other, okay? Uh, Couches in the lounges, okay? And, And furthering this conversation in a mature, healthy way as adults, okay? Guys with guys at times, wonderful. Girls with girls at times, wonderful. Together, wonderful. We want to further this conversation because it's not just going to happen in an hour and a half. I can promise you by the time... Oh, it almost didn't. What? It almost didn't. Yeah, 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 that's right. I can promise you by the time graduation hits, you will forget everything that's said on this, this stage. Like, you just will. It's like 80-something days away. You'll forget about it. Now, I'm not saying this was pointless. No, I'm hoping this sparks a culture of conversation that takes place every day. Every day going forward that we're intentional with our relationships, that we set these expectations, okay, that we have good accountability and boundaries, that we look at the little things, okay, and that we have a healthy understanding of what biblical intimacy in marriage is. Can I pray for you? Awesome. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for this evening, this time that we have to to be open and to be honest. Lord, we're searching. We're trying. I'm doing my best. I know that I have shortcomings, and I'm thankful for a God who is full of grace and love, who has supplied his son, Jesus, to bring about redemption in my life. Jesus, that you promised and gave the gift of the Spirit that is at work in my life, in our lives, in these conversations. And I think of my background and the work that you've done to bring me to this place. And I, I, oh, it's so wonderful. I'm so thankful to think of the backgrounds of every student here and the work that you're doing in their lives. It is so wonderful to see your redemption at work in each person that's in this room. Lord, I think about relationships, I think about you. You are a relationship that is in perfect unity, unique in your characteristics and the personhood of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, but equal in value and so united together. And I know that's your desire for us and our uniquenesses and the differences in our personalities. You desire unity in this community, in these relationships. So Lord, I pray that there would be characteristics of humility, there would be characteristics of gentleness, of peace and forbearance, mercy and kindness, forgiveness and hope would be evident in our conversations, that we would be refined, that we would be uh, formed and shaped to more like you, Jesus, through every conversation that we have. And so, Spirit, I know that there will be conversation from this. I pray that you um, are honored and glorified in our speech 
that we would be wise and we would be mature. Yes, I love having fun, and I know that's very good, but I pray, Lord, for wisdom and maturity in these conversations that follow throughout these next few weeks. And, Lord, I pray throughout their entire lives. And ultimately, Lord, I thank you for grace and forgiveness and love. We would not be here or who we are without it. So I'm so grateful that you give it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great evening.